Friends, my name is Sean King and I'm the experienced pastor here at Friends Church Orange. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today for our message and we pray that you will really hear God's voice through our speaker today. If there's any way that we can serve you, please connect with us through our website. We hope that you consider joining our community in the future. Please enjoy the message. As we continue just walking into the Christmas season together, one of my favorite things about Christmas is lights. I love, I love like when the shopping center lights start to arrive, the big red bows, and you know, they get all trimmed and everything. And I love the lights that start appearing in neighborhoods. I remember as a kid, that was one of the, the best things for me growing up, is we would go look at lights all around different places in different neighborhoods. I think we have some pictures. And some of you maybe are the houses and the neighborhoods where these things start to arrive. You you know, how many of you have, like, that's your street, like, that's your house, like, we're going to make sure people get a sense of lights, and I mean, that's not your house, but you get the idea, and so here's the thing, I remember even as a kid, my grandparents would take us in the car, and we'd say, let's go look at lights, and they knew the best streets, and the best houses, and that's something that I wanted to pass on to our kids, and so even now, our kids, this next week or two, they're going to come home from college, and we're going to get everybody, and we always go look at lights wherever we're going to see, because there's one of the things we know, there's something about light that's really powerful. There's something about light that chases away darkness. And we start to discover this, not just through Christmas lights, but when we're little, uh, because one of the things we love is night lights. Oftentimes, right, just the dark can become a little too terrifying. So we have all kinds of little magical night lights, and we put them even as grown-ups because the lights, they seem to chase away the darkness. They seem to chase away some fear. You know, even as grown-ups, they kind of help us not stub our toe and things like that when we're up and about in the middle of the night. You know, a lot of survivalists would say, of course, when you get stuck out in the wilderness, one of the first things you want to try and do is build a fire. It's not just about warmth, it's about hope. It's about being able to see that I'm going to make it, and it gives a sense of possibility that we can get through whatever we're experiencing, because there's something about light that chases away darkness. But you want to know what my favorite lights of the Christmas season are? My favorite lights are these. This is our Christmas tree. Now, I know. It looks like it's missing some branches. But my wife has fallen in love with these so-called natural trees. And I just think it's a way to pay half price for a Christmas tree because they take away half the branches. But either way, we started getting these trees years ago. And I remember what would happen when our kids were little after the exhausting day and exhausting night bedtime routine of dinner and baths and chaos and picking everything up. We would just turn all the lights off in the house and we'd go sit down on the couch and just in the dark, just the lights of the tree would just illuminate the room. And what I found was it would kind of chase away the darkness of the day. It would chase away the impatience or the anger and things I'd said or done that I regretted. It'd chase away, you know, the impatience, the things that I hated. And it gave me a sense of hope, gave me a sense of peace. As the kids got older, those late nights, because they stay up later than I do now, became very early mornings. And so now, during the Christmas season, I tend to get up very early when it's still dark outside. Go downstairs, make a cup of coffee, sit down with the Christmas tree, and just let God and let those lights kind of chase away the darkness. And so as we continue today in our series, The Promised One, we're going to be looking at the power of light. 
And we're going to be looking at what if, what if Christmas, what if Jesus, what if light is different than you thought, but it's more than you imagined. And what if every time you see a light at Christmas, the lights on the tree, the lights on your tree, the lights on a house, the lights on a building, what if that light becomes a powerful reminder that it has an opportunity to overwhelm whatever darkness it is that you're facing in your life? So I want to invite you guys to go on this journey. Grab your Bibles, if you brought your Bibles with you. If you need one, there's always some in the back. You can grab one back there, but turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. A little more than halfway in your Bible. For those of you looking for it, you can also grab your technology and scroll to it. But Isaiah chapter 9. Looking at the power of light. We'll start in verse 1. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, okay, remember those names, because they will appear later in our story. We'll be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Now, again, if you had to summarize the Bible, I love the Bible. It's pretty simple and easy to understand. A lot of times we want to make it way more complicated than it is. But if you just read these two verses, here's what I think you're starting to get a sense of. There's darkness that exists. There's darkness that leads to despair. It sounds like a really painful time. But then what? There's this sense that light is going to overwhelm and overcome the darkness. It's not going to last forever. This darkness isn't going to last forever. This light will overcome. But it hasn't arrived yet, right? It's something that's out there. This light will come. This will happen. And that's what we see here is clearly Isaiah is giving giving the promise of light. He's promising that there will come light that eradicates and overcomes the darkness that exists. Now, probably the next question then that starts going off in your brain is, well, what kind of darkness is he talking about here? Right? I mean, it says, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. What did that time of darkness look like? That's the question I start asking. Well, I'm glad you asked. There's political tension and turmoil that exists. There's a caste system and tribalism. There's anxiety and fear that starts to rise, that starts to create all kinds of turmoil in the world. There's humanitarian atrocities that are beyond anything we could imagine at this point. People literally are sacrificing, not just animals, but children, babies. We see that they're spiritually circling. There's a hunger that nothing in this world seems to satisfy. That's kind of the darkness that Isaiah is referring to in this passage. And we read, right, how bad it's gotten right at the end of chapter eight, just before this. If you look back in chapter eight at verse 19 to 22, it says this. Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they'll tell us what to do. And then we see what happens to these people in verse 21. They'll go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they're hungry, they're gonna rage and curse their king and their God. They'll look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there'll be trouble and anguish and dark despair. You've got these people desperate. 
right? To try and explain the darkness that lives in this world, to try and understand everything that's happening. So what do they do? They chase everything they can get their hands on. There's a, somebody has to tell us what's gonna happen, not just in this world. Why is this the way it is? Where am I going? What's eternity? They're trying to find answers. And so they're going everywhere they can go, right? They're chasing all these spiritual people. They're looking at tarot cards. They're looking at astrology. Maybe the stars will tell me, I bet they're manifesting things every day. If you just think it, it'll happen. That's what they're chasing. And then what kind of people does that produce? People that are tired, people that are weary, people that are hungry. And out of that, what are they saying? It never satisfies. There is an eternal space in your life that no matter where you try and look in this world, you cannot overcome that darkness. And all of a sudden, that turns into anger. And it'll turn into blame because it becomes fear. And then it becomes somebody else's problem and somebody else's fault. And pretty soon, you just start just tribaling up together and we're gonna be against something instead of for something. You see the cynicism start to exist. And then that turns into hopelessness about the future. And so anger and violence and hatred and all these wars, moral decay was rampant. Animosity was everywhere. So glad we don't live in that time. It's crazy, isn't it? Like you, this is 700 years before the birth of Jesus. This is almost 3,000 years ago. Doesn't that darkness sound remarkably familiar to the darkness we live in today? And yet we often think, oh, it's never been this bad. Nobody would ever understand this darkness. It's impossible for Jesus and God and Christmas to solve these kinds of problems in the world. And yet this is the exact promise that Isaiah is making. He's promising that there's a light that's gonna come that will overwhelm the darkness in this world. And so as we're walking through this today, I think we need to pause for a second and just say, what's the darkness that you may be facing in your life? Where are you feeling maybe a little weary? Where are you, where's the hunger or the longing? And where have you been looking for the light to satisfy that. Maybe you've started handing yourself over to some things in this world. Maybe some things on that list, maybe different things. Maybe you're looking for power or money or pleasure to solve the darkness that exists. One of the things as a, as a pastor, one of the things that happens often is I get to hear your stories, just like I did Sochi's earlier. And I was just thinking this past week of the darkness just the people that emailed me or I ran into at the plaza or had conversations with. There's so much darkness in this world. There's darkness people are facing as they look at the next two to three weeks towards Christmas. There's the darkness of, of divorce. And this being the first Christmas, they're trying to navigate co-parenting and what that looks like. The darkness of separation and a relationship that's never what you wanted or imagined, the darkness of tension, knowing that all of a sudden you're gonna arrive in the same room, around the same table, maybe with somebody that you haven't seen in a long time and you were okay with that. But here comes Christmas and so it's gonna put you guys together again. 
There's the darkness of job loss. I talked to a, a young father who came to me literally in tears, just saying, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm gonna provide for my, my kids Christmas this year. We won't have Christmas. And there's just a desperation that exists with that. I don't know. What's the darkness that you're facing? And how have you been trying to solve that in your life? Where have you been looking? The one thing I know is you're in the right place now. I don't know where you've been looking before this moment, but I know you're in the right place right now. Because one of the things we see is there's not just this promise of light, but Isaiah continues, and he tells us really clearly and exactly who this light is and what this light is going to look like and how it overcomes the darkness. If we jump down to verse 6 in Isaiah chapter 9, it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. This is the gift of light to us, right? It says right at the beginning, a child is born to us, a son is given to us. This gift of light is for us. And he tells us very clearly who and what this light does. And there's these four powerful names that oftentimes I think we read them through. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And they sound beautiful, don't they? They're even more powerful when you slow down and you understand the language and what Isaiah is trying to communicate through this passage. So if we think about wonderful counselor, the word wonderful there literally in Hebrew is miraculous. He's a supernatural counselor. So imagine the best wisdom or the person that's a go-to for you when you're looking to just pull something apart in your life or gain some insight. Imagine, I mean, how many of you have a wise counselor, ever went to counseling? Honey, raise your hand. I mean, it's like, that's our jam. Like, we go. You know what I mean? We need it, and it's good. And here's the thing. It's not just for relationships. There's counselors that help you through business and help you pull apart and make decisions. There's counselors that help you academically. We got to get through school. I don't know, there's a billion classes and I'm majors. What am I supposed to do? We need counsel. So we have counselors, we have coaches, we have people that lead us and guide us, which is awesome. But they're just for a moment and they're never perfect. And what Isaiah is saying is, look, you can have a miraculous supernatural counselor that is always present, always with you, and his wisdom will be perfect every time. It's amazing. That's the kind of wisdom we need. A mighty God, the strength of God. You think about the strength of God that's on display in all of creation. Every day we see it and experience it, the power of God. We hear about it, we read about it, we talk about it, raising people from the dead, the miracles that Jesus did through the power of God. And that's what he's saying. I am a mighty God, the strength. And sometimes it's the big things, but oftentimes it's just, I'm gonna help you get up in the morning when you don't want to. I'm gonna help you walk into the day that feels overwhelming and you don't think you can make it. I'm gonna hold you through the most desperate moments, that kind of strength. We have a wonderful counselor, supernatural wisdom, a mighty God, his strength, an everlasting father. The word everlasting is exactly what it looks like. It means forever, eternal, an eternal father. 
For some of us, we had a good dad, but our dads eventually leave us, right? Some of us, we never had a dad. Some of us, we had an awful dad. Might have been abusive. Might have been hurtful. Might have said things and cut you down all the time. This is an everlasting father that is on display all through God's word with a heart of kindness and grace and compassion and love and care and provision forever. And he says, I'll be the perfect dad. And then the Prince of Peace. All these things, you can see how they just give a settledness of soul. It doesn't, it doesn't mean he's gonna change all the circumstances that you're walking through. The darkness doesn't always just disappear. Rarely have I found is that true. But what he does is he can give you peace even in the midst of it. Do you see how powerful this light is? Supernatural wisdom, the strength of God, the everlasting love of a good father giving you peace and hope beyond everything. Isaiah wrote this 700 years before the arrival of Jesus at Christmas. 700 years. There was this promise of light and then this gift of light that comes to us in Jesus. And we know this. And one of my, one of my favorite Christmas accounts is in John chapter 1. Look at what he says and look at how this language just echoes these promises from Isaiah. John chapter one, it says this, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word, when you see it capitalized, of course, is Jesus. That's right, you're in church. The right answer is Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Ooh, a lot of people are like, who was Jesus? A good guy? Nope, John will tell you right here, it was him. We'll do a whole semester on the Trinity one of these days. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Jesus, the word, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Jesus arrives, this light, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, all of that and more wrapped up in Jesus. And here's the thing, you think through the supernatural wisdom of God, the strength of God, the love of God, and the peace of God that's all available to, in Jesus. I mean, if you knew that this light was available to you, wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want that? But see, here's what's interesting. That's kind of the response of people for thousands of years now. I think I do. Yeah? Well, maybe. See, here's the thing. I don't think it's who the light is, right? Because statistics, studies, you talk to anybody, most people, the whole world's fascinated by and loves Jesus, like, they don't have a problem with Jesus. Like, it's like, regardless of what they believe about him, they're captivated by him. I don't think it's about that. And I don't think it's about his nature and his qualities and his attributes and everything that he promises to give. 
I don't think it's that they don't love Jesus or they don't love that he's a supernatural counselor or the power of God expressed or the love of who he is and his compassion and kindness or even the peace that he brings. I don't think it's those things. I think what's confusing and why people hesitate is because of how he came and because of what he truly asks of people to receive this gift of light. If you think about it, verse six, right, that Isaiah writes, we kind of read it over and, oh, that's sweet. Verse six says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And remember, when Jesus shows up on the scene as a, as a baby to some unwed pregnant teenagers in a stable, basically a barn, like Matt was talking about earlier, being totally ostracized by his family and then growing up just as a normal kid for, for 30 years before he begins his ministry. I think it was incredible. That's why so many people missed it. They're like, what? And I think we do the same thing today. I think a lot of times we're wired. It's our human nature to believe that if someone who's gonna show up who's got supernatural wisdom and the power and strength of God and the love of an eternal father and is gonna bring peace, we think he's gonna be powerful. We think he's gonna be influential. We think he's gonna lead companies and businesses. We think he's gonna have all the wealth that one could imagine. Somehow he's gonna influence and just be captivating to the whole world. But instead, we get a baby. It's like, wait, what? I don't know. Like these things sound amazing, but a, but a baby, that's a stretch. And not only that, if it's not that, then I think it's like you go, well, but what about the darkness, Kyle? What about that? What about that light that shines in the darkness and the darkness will never extinguish it? Seems like there's a lot of darkness that still exists in the world today. Seems like there's a lot of darkness that we battle in our own lives. I mean, isn't that where we started this whole day, Kyle? What about that? And I say, oh, I can see how that's really confusing and hard. Because here's the thing. Jesus absolutely inaugurated, started, began this kingdom of light in this world. He is the fulfillment, not just of this, but over 300 prophecies, promises that were written down and so his life, even as a baby, and starts, and his ministry then, he's consistently talking and demonstrating that there's another way. There's another way to live. There's another way for you to walk and receive this wisdom. There's another way for you to walk in forgiveness and grace. There's another way for you to return to relationship with God, your Father, so you can receive his strength. There's another way that you can secure an eternity and you don't have to worry about manifestations and mediums and tarot cards. There's another way, that's everything. And he proved it, remember, because he'd do these miracles. He would demonstrate these things. So he didn't just talk about it. He actually would do stuff that would go, wow. It seems like he's got something until he died. Right up until the crucifixion. And then it's like, well, I guess, I guess that didn't work. For three days until he rises again. And what did he say when he rose? I demonstrated that I have power over evil. I have overcome the darkness that light wins. But why didn't he just set it all right, right then? You ever wonder that? Like, if he says it, why didn't he just do it? Why didn't he just make everything right there? I wonder that. 
until I stopped and remember I wasn't there and neither were you. And the Bible tells us that what Jesus saw in front of him were generations and generations of people, you and me, that he wanted so badly to experience his love and his light and his wisdom and his grace and his power and his peace. And so he said, I'm gonna introduce this light to the world and the world and darkness cannot overcome it. It will never extinguish it. And one of these days, I will come back and I'll make it all right. But until then, light wins and darkness can't overcome it and I'll prove it to you. You've seen it already today. You've been singing about it. And probably for lots of you, you look at Matt and Larissa and our worship team, and even if you don't know them, or what, you're just like, wow, something seems real about this Christmas story and about light and about hope and about joy and about wonder and about peace to them. And you're captivated by it. It's because there's light in the darkness. You heard it as you listened to Sean talk about her story and talk about how God was speaking to her. His strength and his wisdom and his compassion and his peace working through here, touching her, changing her, shaping her to be generous in her life. You heard it in Sochi's story. God talking to her, the light. Sochi, if you were here about a month ago, shared her journey with Jesus. How she trusted him. and She just got baptized this year. Is it any wonder then that literally about four weeks after that, she's hearing God's voice and I need to do this in my story and I want to love people well and then just, we get to bless her into that. That's light. I don't see darkness extinguishing that light. I see light breaking through the darkness. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. This morning, I got up. I had this in my pocket. I carry this with me as often as I can, but this was given to me by a friend from our church, from our community. This is his 29-year sobriety coin. This is light in the midst of darkness. You see, it's everywhere. It's all around us. It's the stories we tell about the Hub Resource Center where we get to love and care for our homeless friends and neighbors. The stories that literally come out of there every single week about people taking steps into jobs. It's not about a job. It's not about a home. It's about light that they're experiencing and receiving. It's what happens through our food pantry. It's what happens with Full Circle. It's what happens in here all week long with the youth centers. This is light breaking in the darkness. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's, look, this is thousands of years after him. And he goes, darkness can't extinguish it. Darkness can't, can't extinguish it. That's the light we're walking in and living in. It's the light that's promised to us. It's a gift that's, that's given to us. And gifts are meant to be received. Gifts are meant to be taken. Right? Somebody offers you a gift. You, you don't just go, ah, I'm good. Thank you. you know, I mean, it's like you go, thank you. You receive gifts. And so how does this gift of light that's out there that you can see that's compelling that will absolutely transform your life, how does that gift of light to us become the gift of light in us? How do we get to live more like Sochi and Sean Maria and Lance? Look at what it says. If you flip back to Matthew chapter 4. This is Jesus starting his ministry on earth. Chapter four, verse 13. It's about Jesus leaving Nazareth. He went and he lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. 
land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Jesus fulfilling one of over 300 prophecies. Matthew declaring that to be true. And then look at what it says. How does this light to us become light in us? Verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus had one message, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Basically means it's arrived, it's here. There's a new way, there's a different way. The kingdom of God is here. The wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, it's here. Forgiveness and kindness and compassion and grace and strength to keep going and comfort and a peace that will transcend whatever circumstances and turmoil that you're living in is here. It's arrived. And so how then does the light that's out there become the light that's in here in one word? Repent. Now I know that for some of us that word, it feels, ooh, feels painful. Some of us grew up in religious traditions where it's like we're expected to flog ourselves and beat ourselves, and if I grovel long enough, then maybe God will let me in. That's not what repent means at all. Basically, Jesus is just saying, decide. Change your mind. Surrender. For the kingdom of God is here. Trust because the kingdom of God is here. Over and over he just says, follow me, because the kingdom of God is here. If you want the light, if you want the supernatural wisdom of God to invade your life, trust him. If you want supernatural strength of God to hold you and carry you, trust him. If you want the love of a father, that exists beyond anything you could ever comprehend, surrender to him. If you want to experience his peace, trust him. That's what Jesus is saying. This promise of light has now arrived. It's available for every single person for the rest of eternity. If you simply repent, trust Surrender, follow. So what if, what if Christmas, what if Jesus, what if this Christmas today is different than you thought, but more than you imagined? And maybe what, what gift of light are you longing for this year or today? My bet is, as we've walked through these, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, prince of peace, my bet is there's one that's kind of jumped off the page to you. For me, I know that as I've gotten up early this season, and I've been sitting down by our Christmas tree early in the mornings, I know as this this prayer and even this passage has unfolded in my life, I know for me that the prayers and the, and the light that I'm longing for on a daily basis, are, it's just different. It's changed through the years. I remember when the kids were, were young and little and you know we'd been married five, 10 years. I was praying for patience. I was praying for peace. 
I was praying for strength. I was exhausted. I know now as I'm older, there's been some seasons we've walked through that have been incredibly dark. Felt like the shadow of death like Matthew was talking about. I was praying for God's strength just to wake me up in the morning. Let me keep walking. There were days I didn't even want to walk into. And I needed the strength of God to do it. I know now most mornings I sit down there and I just feel the weight of of being a husband and still becoming the kind of husband I want to be and I know I'm called to be. I'm being a father now to older kids, to young adults, (laughs) trying to help shepherd them as best I can through the darkness that exists. Oh, young people, it's so dark and I'm so sorry. And really what I pray for more than anything is the light of Jesus to be my supernatural counselor. God, give me wisdom in all of these things. As a husband, as a dad, as a friend, as a pastor, I can't make it through this Christmas without that light. And there is a peace, a power, because of who Jesus is. That is what I want for you. And I know that's what God wants for you. So I'm going to invite you, as you would, just to close your eyes, bow your heads as we continue just to listen to him and respond to the power of Jesus at Christmas. Where, where is the darkness in your life? What is the darkness that you've been facing? Maybe it is a relationship and the tension and the pain that feels overwhelming and impossible. Maybe it's a health crisis that you're walking into at Christmas. Maybe it is a job, a lack of one, the inability to provide. Maybe it's unbelief. And your curiosity has turned into cynicism. Are you willing to believe that Jesus is the gift of light that overcomes the darkness. And what and who do you need him to be for you this year? A supernatural, miraculous, wise counselor. A mighty, strong God. An everlasting, eternal, loving Father. Or just the one who restores peace between you and God. Father, continue to speak to us. Give us the the humility and courage just to respond to you.
as we walk towards Christmas together.